0: Three, two, one. I think we're live here for the next episode of the Catho Raid podcast. My name is Louis Zazarin, and I am here with my friend, Steve Nutter. How you doing, mate? How you doing, Steve?
1: Hey, Louis. I'm doing great.
0: How are you? It's well. It's it's cold and dark in Estonia right now, minus six Celsius today. I haven't seen the sunlight in days. It feels like years. Uh, So I've been inside all day, but besides a a little bit of that... uh, dark weather things are all right things are okay
1: now that sounds just awful uh for the temperature to be honest uh here it's in you know in the united states we use fahrenheit it's it's about Mm. 45 degrees uh so it's not too bad still sunny it's definitely creeping upon winter and i did notice a little bit of fresh snow on the ground this morning not much just a little bit like flurries of ice or something on the car So Mm. it's definitely, it's getting colder here too. Thankfully, not below freezing though. Okay. Yeah, we've got the
0: snow and I actually prefer the snow when it's around. Like it adds some light and reflects a little bit and it's not, it breaks up the day a little bit. So I don't think I might have to go out later and I'm just sort of not looking forward to going out to that very cold car and starting that in, in minus five.
1: Yeah. Do you have it stored in a garage or do you just have it out in uh, the elements it's in the elements, but uh, the
0: preheater of my car is just done for now. So Ooh. it was having it's intermittent problems. It's like <laughs> a thing you could turn on to a schedule, but minus six today, it gave the fuck up and uh, just doesn't want to turn on. So that's I a think wrong I'll be time t- to have problems with that. I'll be turning to my mechanic, and uh, I'll, I was gonna call him up tomorrow and be like, "Hey, when can you replace this thing? Because I can't make it through winter without my sweet, sweet preheater."
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I hear you. I don't have anything. I have a garage, but it's filled with CRTs, so there's <laughs> no way you could fit a car in there right now. And That's true. Uh, so I was yeah, talking first, about uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was talking to my dad uh, this weekend. I was like, "How do I heat up this garage? Because there's no insulation in it." And my grandfather has this old uh, wood burning stove stashed in the corner that I he like salvaged from something 50 years ago. And he's like, oh, well, just hook that thing up. It could burn wood or coal. And I was like, what about the exhaust? Is I'll just put a pipe out one of the windows. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, if it gets desperate and I have to work out in the shop this winter, uh, I'll I'll be figured out a way to hook up that wood-burning stove safely to the garage out there. But I hope I don't have to do that. That'll
0: help. I mean, uh, otherwise, is there, <laughs> can you put some insulation on the walls? Is that going to no, work a, or something? It would, or not much- you
1: know, it's like... Yeah, it, but it's – it's. there's not enough – it would take a whole – it would take a lot. That would be a big job. There's a lot yeah, okay. of insulation that would be needed. Mm.
0: And you have to be – you were saying you are careful when you're turning on your monitors after they've been in that cold. What's that process? What's your thinking around that?
1: Yeah, so these – got to monitor your temperatures uh, because it's a cold uh, – anything that's electronic that say stays out in the cold – and then you heat it up; it's gonna. The electricity brings heat with it, and if you're using something, uh, for example, that it has a lot of cold. It's, I mean, they call them cold solder joints. So over time, those <laughs> solder joints break down. I think it would just happen quicker uh, if you you know you have to give them time to kind of warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to start CRTs generally unless it's over fifty degrees uh, within the room and preferably over 60 degrees and then below like 80 degrees if possible Uh, but they they are hardy and they can withstand some temperatures below and above that but you definitely don't want to use them too much around that freezing point or um, when there's a lot of humidity is another factor Mm. you don't want to use them if you have a very humid environment just because that doesn't mix well humidity and electricity
0: most of my uh, my BVM collection, and again, I think the one that we got last week also came from the same collection, were in a outside broadcast van, so like a semi trailer that could be dragged around to different events and then plugged in. And I know that thing sat outside for several years at least. And right now, I don't think it freezes in my storage room. I think it's in a it's in a factory and then in a in a container. And I, I think it's not too bad. However. Um, yeah, I also wouldn't turn them on when they're cold. However, in general, I don't mind that my monitors sit in the cold because, well, my figure is that, well, at least that's better for the capacitors. If heat is bad for capacitors, I thought that, well, storing them lower might help.
1: No? Well, it's, yeah, it's, um, they're not, they're not getting to the temperature where they're really damaging them, usually just ambient temperature, but if you're, uh, The the big thing is not you can store them in a much lower temperature than you can use them. Yeah. So that's not that's not a big deal. Uh, But your environment can impact the breakdown over long term. I mean, just like here, for example, the U.S. military will go store equipment out in like dry, arid environments like the deserts uh, to prevent them from breaking down if they were in a humid climate over here on the east where there's a lot of high humidity and uh, over time that will just get into uh, the components and break it down from like a rust uh, perspective or just freezing and thawing it's better to have the most dry arid com- you know environment for this kind of stuff as well as uh, the, it, it, you can store it at lower temperatures and that's safe uh, I'm sure that yours isn't Getting down to too far, you know, right at that freezing levels when you start worrying about it, if it goes below freezing for too long Mm. or above like really, really hot, like, you know, extremely hot over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, then you worry
0: I keep, uh, as part of the cultural learnings of this show, I keep a browser tab open with the converter for temperatures. (laughs) So the hundred Fahrenheit is thirty-seven degrees. I just found out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So
1: around that area, you're okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, we're up there. Well, Australia's not. uh, I may go back to Australia at Christmas time if I'm. Well, I'm allowed, but if uh, we're allowed to now with the new variants that are coming out of the COVID and. All this, but I, I would like to go back and I may actually hit some of that thirty seven, forty degrees if I get home and I cannot wait right about now. Is
1: that is it nice there now, like the the it's summertime kind of there? Yeah,
0: it's about twenty degrees or so each day and a nice day would be about twenty five. Very pleasant okay. time of year right now, I'd say. Awesome. But that that Christmas is gonna be hot. We have hot, hot Christmas. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's always <laughs>
1: cold for Christmas here. Uh for most part. I mean you can go to Florida and some of the southern states and still get pretty warm uh, near the equator but it's still uh, like even northern Florida will get down and be cold Um, Hmm. not, not good beach weather or anything okay All right. So we've got some, first of all, we want to, I want to
0: thank everyone who's given us tremendous feedback uh, on the episode so far. Great questions and even just people commenting that they like the stuff. So I just want to say thank you very much for listening. And I know, Steve, you'll agree with me when I say we really appreciate people being interested in that and I'm very happy about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Keep, uh, Keep bringing your questions. We're enjoying, you know, looking through them. And uh, all the feedback, if there's anything that you like or Mm -hmm. if there's anything that gets on your nerves about it, the show, let us know. Or uh, just we're here trying to make this as good and uh, informative and entertaining as we can. And uh, so we're happy when we can get more and more involvement from anybody Mm -hmm. uh, for the show. And if you have some uh, thoughts on the editing, every episode I'm trying to edit it a little bit
0: different, change the styles, and I'm uh, messing with things, sort of maybe more at a techie level. But if you have some thoughts about how you like it, please help. Please, uh, you know, do you like the split screen or the one to one? And we're try we're trying, you know, week by week, trying to evolve this. So, all right, Steve, let's get into it. Uh, what have now? You had th- besides Thanksgiving, what have right. you been working on this week?
1: Well, I've been, I went from like two weeks ago having probably 10 monitors going and working through because sometimes you get some of those monitors and they don't have a lot to do in them and they're smaller. And then there's the opposite, which I've got right now, which is one gigantic kind of pain in the butt, which is this Sony PVM2530. This one's from 1987, so it is plenty old and it came in with intermittent power problems. I fixed that. Within a couple of hours, but since then, um, the person who owns it asked me if if I would be willing to restore it further, mm-hmm. and I've worked my way through just about every single board <laughs> inside this PVM, which has about three normal PVMs worth of circuit boards inside of it, and uh, so that one's this one's been a struggle. Plus, then you get into the temperatures. Unfortunately, that one is a larger one and i can't bring it down here i can bring the boards from it off the monitor but i can't bring the tube and everything to test it so i have to wait till tuesday or today tomorrow will be the ni- first nice day where i can get out there and actually uh test it for a couple hours safely mm. so that monitor hopefully i'll be able to finish that up wednesday-ish i'm really hoping to be done with that one uh, yeah. i do have a video coming on that at least one and maybe even two <laughs> yeah on it because I I did do the first small repair and I did a video on that and because uh, it was cool like, I got to like film it it screwing up so it <laughs> was a lot of fun I like to be able to film something screw it up and then go back and fix it and show it not <laughs> screw it up anymore that's always cool so that one we'll do that but then I would like to do a follow up maybe to show more of the twenty five thirty I'm surprised I've done so much work on that monitor and never actually shown um, a lot inside of it. So that's one of the that's just the twenty five thirty thing is a big one that I'm working on
0: I think that um on that twenty five thirty I think it's an interesting topic around the work that you do and like anyone who has to fix anything you could be easily be an auto mechanic for example the same thing maybe people relate to that example where it's it's tough because in your business you're working on old things it's uh, old things will have random problems and Uh, And I know you're very good at this, the way way that you work and your business practice, because you need to be clear with people like this is no guarantee that I can fix this. And you can see I have a great track history. uh, I'll work hard. I'll communicate with you. And part of that communication is to be very real with them and honest with them. And it's also, I imagine, a very frustrating part of your work. You're just pounding your head against the wall. And what can you do sometimes?
1: yeah we're always we're always going to be limited by the uh you know the starting condition of the monitor and this one wasn't Mm -hmm. in great shape to begin with uh being so old and never really serviced and once you get one thing figured out then you have uh testing and another thing shows up and then another thing shows up and then another thing Mm -hmm. and it, it literally goes on and on and on like that and it is the the automobile example is a perfect example where you own a classic car or these guys that you see them all the time on the uh TV shows where they'll buy a classic car and then they'll sell it when it's three or four you know, three quarters of the way finished. Hmm. And it's always like, Yeah, I got it almost all the way done, and it needs that extra, you know, bit of work to really get it over the hump. But you could tell they've just invested so much personal time and money. It's really gotta be something you love because uh at the end of the day, yeah, you're you're Putting all this in in effort and uh, servicing into something that, if you don't sit there and service every bit of it, or even if you do that, there's something that could just be out of its shelf life and be done, and then you've uh, you know you'll be sitting there with a big paperweight basically that you've invested a lot of money in, uh, but at the same time, there's always a chance that you get it, and it works fine, and you get a few good years of enjoyment out of it. And that's, um, that's really what everybody wants and hopes for. The 2530 I've been working on, it looks beautiful, but it just has like one minor issue I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. um, with the buttons. And then everything else seems to be working great on it and looks great. So you could tell the tube is good and strong, and the other good, important parts are strong, which um, are the key elements to this CRT. The problem is is there's so many different things going on in that monitor that it all has its own analog circuit board, so there's just parts and parts and so many interconnected uh, mm-hmm. tissues almost in this organism that <laughs> that's this uh, old school pro video monitor.
0: Yeah, it's it's just the the nature of the the work that you do and and I think the solution is uh, and I know we spoke about this earlier, uh being direct with your customers, being honest with them, talking it through with the situation and then also preparing their ex preparing their expectations before it, communicating while you're doing it, and then also your knowledge to uh, pick the jobs that you think can be done properly or that you have a reasonable chance of doing. And that's something that you get better with as you I- improve each time.
1: Yeah, well, I try to offer like some options also. So for mm. example, on the 2530, I went to uh, the repair. I, I had originally quoted um, a number, a price to analyze it, do some work on it. And when I actually got into it and I repaired it, the repair costs were less than the original quote. However, any further additional work would have put it over the original quote. So at that time, I was like, look, you're welcome to come get this now for the fee that's actually less than what we quoted the job actually to be. Or you can go down the path of investing more into it if you really want to do that. And even at that I have to again reiterate like you say I have to be um kind of honest with people because I see it happen a lot where I tell them if there there's always the, the chance that you invest this and it still doesn't last that long something goes wrong in the monitor and it doesn't end up working and um it's still even after you put all that extra into it um but at the same you know So it's like a double edged sword. Do you do it? And they decided to do it, which is fine. But yeah, it's Mm. it. There's always that option. And then I try to be realistic. I'm like, look, if if you could go down this path and it not be a good path, Um, as opposed to just taking it as it is and trying to use it as long as you can till something else goes wrong with it. But the problem with that is a lot of people don't have the option to, you know, just come. They don't even these people live in upstate New York. So they drove Mm. quite a ways to come here. And drop it off. So then you're thinking about how do I get another trip down there if it has to get looked at again? Uh, But there's always that. And that's going to, that's, you know, Lewis, that's heavily dependent on the age and condition of the monitor Hmm. again when you start with. So, um, you know, expect more the older the monitor is. Sure. Expect more trouble.
0: It is all part of the game that we're in. So, okay, so there's the big job, and we're hoping to get that done. So what else have you been doing this week? Oh, yeah, so I did
1: get to hang out with uh, Save on Pat a little bit uh, by phone. So I actually, Save on Pat came to the rescue for me, and um, I have a D20 F1U, and that's that awesome, you know, multi-format, D Series uh, 20 inch or 19 inch screen. So big size. It's a true uh, curved still Trinitron tube. So it's not the flat screen like the D24 and D32. It's the, uh, still got that curve on it. And it really anything that's in 4x3 looks awesome on it from like 240p, 480i, and 480p. Because anything over that, it will do it, but it won't, it'll go up to 1080i, but, you know, it won't, well- uh, what, what it will, it, it, will, it will just it will like shrink the screen to wide you know sixteen by nine, okay. if you go to seven twenty p or ten eighty i but four eighty p you know it still does, uh, full screen four by three so anything like that we use it and looks that's like my favorite monitor for that, mm. but it had so many issues when I got it uh, it only has fourteen thousand hours on it, and I had sent every single board to Pat to service. He serviced all the major boards for me and, uh, replace, I had to replace the PA board, which is a control board in it that controls the surge of contrast and like brightness going into the tube. So it doesn't fry your tube. Um, I had to get all those boards serviced Mm -hmm. and that (laughs) I was about $700 (laughs) for all that. And, uh, Thankfully, it's back it's in the lab right now testing for like two and a half hours of just playing and monitoring and make sure it doesn't goof up again. I don't really know what else could go bad besides the tube at this point or the flyback because everything else on it has been serviced checked out or replaced. Um, so that's that's quite exciting for me because at the I mean for the last six months, uh, I've been waiting on the PA board specifically. Uh, he's, he didn't have any, and I, I just reached out and I said, send him an email and he said, yeah, I have one. And, uh, he said he had five in a box and four of them failed testing and one of them was good. So I was like, yes. So I bought that and it came in right after I got back from Thanksgiving from my family's cabin. And so I got to throw it in there and it's been working good and I'm I'm really excited. Hope it, Mm. uh, hope it stays that way. But that monitor is just a finicky beast that... (laughs) I'm afraid every moment. I mean, even I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to go out any second, any second, mm-hmm. just watching, waiting for something else to happen because I've watched it just kind of get everything happen with it, just go worse and worse and worse.
0: I think so, the analogy, I think the analogy there stands with classic cars that if you're a mechanic who, loves and works often on classic cars, your car always has some problems. Not because you're a bad mechanic, <laughs> yeah. because you're always working on a tinker and trying a new one. I think, again, it goes point. with the territory.
1: That's a good so point.
0: when you were talking about surf, so first of all, there's a bunch of interesting things there. So Pat uh, has access to, I mean, he things come across his desk, how to say. Not to say he's got the secret reserves in the bunker or something that he's hoarding from us. But over the years, right. I mean, because he is really the guy uh the the oh i don't know i say the og let's say the godfather of this stuff um you know he has a certain collection of spare parts and we'll get to that a little bit later on talking about parts and so forth so there's there's that that he has access to but what would um what were you said you sent the boards only to pat so what what is he doing on that that you feel isn't quite in your ballpark
1: well, here's the thing uh, when it comes specifically to like the D series monitors there's tons of uh, surface mount capacitors on that mm-hmm. tons of them not just through hole but there's that um, there's there's also the idea that Pat has uh, so much experience in this specific one I know it doesn't sound like very much but I don't get a lot of BVM D series that come to me I get mostly PVMs And that mid-grade pro monitor end up in my area to me to service. So when it comes to something where I'll try to initially service it and check it out, and there's often times where um, I prefer to have him look at that. Like for my own thing, I was like, well, I'm not really – I'm I'm thinking it's this. I've talked to him on the phone about it. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you could send him in. And I – you know there's there become a times when it's it's something I really do need as far as that and I could have other things going on here where I don't have the time to look at it myself but again those those boards have a lot of things in them that um are again surface mount capacitors that tend to go bad there's also some updates that Pat would know from his years of experience in it plus Pat has the monitor there for like BVMs which have cards in them, instead of uh, whereas it's a PVM and it has everything within a shell, and you have mm. to take it. It's more difficult to take apart. The BVMs have cards in them, so you just take out a card, and Pat may have a serviced uh, replacement available, or he could check yours out. The good thing is, is he has the equipment there that you know is calibrated properly, so you can send it to him and get a good analysis mm. of your parts. If he's, you know, if it's something that he works on, and I know that he's. He told me when I talked to him on the phone that he's been as busy as I have been right now, which is Mm. nuts because he's 90 years old. Uh, (laughs) But he said he had four D-series, D24s he was servicing the boards on, Mm -hmm. and then um, a 2950, which is the massive PVM. So I know that he's really busy, and he still does cap kits, which are available on eBay for each monitor. So Mm. uh, I talked to him because, yeah, he has – I don't know where else I would go to find a part that, yeah. you know, you're like, Hey, what is this? Does anybody have this specific part? Cause I know he does have some, uh, there. And it's always great to get to talk to him. Uh, because you know that I try not to talk to him too much, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's surprising to me that he even remembers me when I call him once every three or four months, just for a minute compared to, However, many people call him and talk to him about monitors. I know he does, uh, people sure. talk to me and him about it forever. But I think, uh, you, I think you're too humble there. I mean, I, I think
0: you're, uh, yeah, you're doing but a I fairly mean, I don't good wanna, work out there in CRTs.
1: Well, I don't want him to, you know, I, I'm always, sure. I always want to give him, I know with Pat, it's like uh, he's got a lot going on, and I, I just want to, you know, have, don't want to overstep. So, I know that next time when I need something, I can just ask him quickly. He gets back to me really quickly. So, uh, most of the time, I just email him back and forth asking about certain parts. Um, And even if he doesn't have something, and then randomly, I find, uh, you know, you'll find the parts online too, in eBay, Mm -hmm. if you're lucky. Uh, But I think it's good to have
0: someone else to talk to. I mean, for a lot of us, it's, I mean, I talk to you, you talk to Save on Part. We all have someone to, to talk to someone. There's always someone, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, someone who's more of an expert. And even with the car analogy, I mean, I go to my mechanic, I trust him, he knows my car, he does everything. But when there's something really specific, I mean, uh, rebuild part of the motor, he's like, no, you, you got to talk to that guy. He's the expert in rebuilding a diesel. I'm like, but you're the mechanic. He's like, no, 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 you're an idiot. (laughs) He's the guy who can rebuild a diesel. He does all of them. Just go take it to him. It's far better. It's very normal for for these things to happen.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of... uh, There's Mm. so much good analogy there. Or like any classic kind of item like that, um, where yeah, you're constantly in need of parts, but you're also Mm. in need of expertise and what are you going to do when that expertise goes away? Right. Or yeah, you've got, um, cause it's, it's the same way you've got vital components, but then you've got different, uh, variations of monitors. And for, for people who are wondering, like, you know, the D 20 is one of probably the top, uh, it's definitely in the top 10 CRTs like ever made for, uh, professional reasons. And, so it's it's one of those that, yeah, it's like it's a centerpiece of anybody's collection. Their good ones are like $5,000 now. So it's a little bit more understandable to get them. Uh, even like myself, I I know that eventually I'll be able to go through and I could service them myself. But just to have kind of my own peace of mind on this model to know that Pat's checked it out. Uh I feel like that's money well invested in something uh like that, as opposed to it just sitting there and me eventually getting into it and figuring it out uh you know down the road
0: makes sense makes sense, which sort of leads us on to what i wanted to to talk about today, which is a um i feel it's a discussion about what do we do with old c r t s so maybe i'm maybe my my situation is different to yours and may, maybe my situation is more the same than the regular person who's watching this or who's, who's into CRTs. Maybe they've got, they, they managed to get themselves a PVM or something and that's their beautiful centerpiece. They're looking at consumer sets around their region, trying to pick up something while they can. Um, more people, people have different amounts of storage space. I'm thankful enough to have a fair bit. So if nothing else, that kind of feeds my addiction because I know I have a place to go put them. But what that leads to is inevitably you get, there's a 14 inch Sony, that sounds great, I'll go pick it up and you get it and it's there's something wrong with it. And you can do the work on it and you can look at it, but some monitors you just can't repair or the average person just can't repair. And so I've got a probably a four or five of those monitors and I sitting around, I'm pretty sure that the work is beyond what I can do. And I suspect some of them just have bad tubes. Some of them are just done for. So then I start wondering to myself, what what do I do? Do I, if I think that I can't fix that Trinitron or whatever it is, should I just chuck it? Oh, but then I feel bad chucking it out, but it's taken up space in my storage room and I know I can't fix it. And I live here on the edge of Europe. It's not like I can just drive over to, to Pat's place or something or your place or something like that. And I was I, I was trying to get into the discussion about what we do with it. But I guess for you, let's start with you because you have a different use case. You uh, have a value to keeping some stuff around because you don't know, particularly at the pro level stuff, this could very well be useful for you, and exactly what you were just talking about with Pat. Pat's got no doubt a collection amassed over many years, which is why he's the expert. So, what do you first of all? What do you do with your second hand your your parts collection? Tell us about that.
1: Well, there's you're you're summed it up really well. Kind of, uh, there's two levels of parts CRTs, monitors they could be televisions or monitors. It's like what is worth keeping and what is worth keeping around and then what do you? what's your other option because there's some stuff that you're going to get into that you could easily get and it's like, oh, this is really just not, there's not much use to it anymore. It could be beyond repair. There could be no need, you know, nobody wants it to be repaired really. There's a lot of um, ones that will wear out like you said that might have something that's that's worthless and unless you really want to like rip the whole monitor apart, yeah. And just mm. get the scrap metal out of it, and then repurpose that for whatever reason. And you're really into that recycling and scrapping stuff, then you could do that. But otherwise, you're going to need to find out um, what what is like your local area's uh, rules and what kind of infrastructure set up to help recycle or dispose of your CRT because there's rules generally wherever you live. I've lived in different areas where they will come out and somebody will pick up those kind of things from the, um, usually from the local government, and then they take them off and they either pile them up somewhere or put them yeah, in landfill. Yeah, I don't quite know but what they do with them. But there's they're something. They're, at least they're a municipality and they're responsible for taking it. They know what it is uh, because you can't just throw it away usually um in most areas some areas still can just throw them away by like that good, I mean that'll go in a good. dump truck though yeah. yeah but they're not in a good that's not good for the environment yeah. obviously but uh if you have to like there that's why you got to be kind of selective on what you're uh going back and taking originally <laughs> try to realize how much you can take yeah um don't just take every junk or every huge crt unless you do have space for it or a plan to get rid of it. Uh, you can always check with people, too, that are looking for possibly parts to your CRT If uh, mm-hmm. through forums, especially like our forum here on Discord and other um, other avenues online is Facebook groups. My parts, Ben, is reserved for mostly PVMs and BVMs. If the tube is bad, uh, I'm not keeping it. I will do whatever necessary to get rid of it there's actually a company i haven't used them in a while but they would send you a box for your glass tube Mm -hmm. and you put the tube in there by itself of course i know how to take everything else out of it and that's not the stuff that's harmful anyway that all can be safely recycled it's just the tube and they would send you a box for the tube you put the tube in it and you pay to ship it to them and a small fee to dispose of it And Hmm. so you could do that to be safe with just the tube. uh, And that's specifically
0: for CRTs. That's like, they know what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I gotta be
1: honest with you since, you know, the shutdowns of the last couple of years, I haven't even looked at it because I haven't had to get rid of any tubes. I kind of went through and got rid of all the bad ones. Everything I've got that's a tube now is a good tube. I don't really keep around the bad ones. Uh, But that's that because that's the only hazardous part, everything else you could take and easily send to a recycler, any other piece inside the tube. And actually, that's preferable like for a recycler because it's all Mm -hmm. copper wire and uh, gold circuit boards in there. There's people that used to just scrap. You could look on YouTube for scrapping channels that break down those old PCBs. And a, um, a CRT, for example, like the deflection yokes we were talking about last week, mm. that's loaded with copper wire. Like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. So now if you, you take that it. down to like somewhere that buys scrap metal, mm. you could probably get twenty dollars, maybe, for just the yoke, or you know, mm. at least half that at this point with the way copper prices are. So there's always that option if you have to get rid of it to break it down. Kind of, I mean, it's a lot of work. So. You'll have to do that, but there's uh, there's a scrap side there's or you just dispose of it. There's also, uh, I do believe that there is still again local municipalities that will come out and take the whole television or monitor. Um, if uh, but you know, like I said, my stuff is all that. It's all parts that I think can be reused in other PVM rebuilds or mm. um, ones where someone would contact and need uh parts for a specific one mine's mostly that and ones where parts i've had go bad in them, okay. where i know it's not the tube or something that's what's in there now but it's uh it's definitely dependent on your space it does you know, the breakdown thing is interesting i don't think i would considered it that way
0: before that okay once you take out the tube and disconnect everything from that then it's just basically electronics uh, so people can decide, uh, what okay, the scrapping it, that it might be easier to yeah, take the boards out. Because um, you're essentially breaking it down. the If you gave it to the municipality or whoever, they would have to break this down anyway unless they just chuck it in the scrap heap, which, again, are they yeah, allowed to do I that? We don't there, know.
1: There are some places that will still take your trash like that and just throw it in a, a pile somewhere, and there's nothing yeah. really you could do about that. Um because that's, again, something that's crooked and, and like government oversight, it's where they're just not following regulations. So that's not, that's not like your fault. So no, you but it used to be trying. back in the day. Yeah, back in the so day, it used to be everything was just, I
0: remember that, we'd go to the tip and we would back the car up to a massive mound of garbage and just throw and just, the shit on yeah. there and drive away. Like, and there's but that was, some places know, that, that, that are years ago. rural, rural
1: mm-hmm. that are still doing that, believe it or not, but... Uh, if you can, it's, you know, if, again, if you have to get rid of it, uh, it's, it's a personal choice really do whatever you want, but it's, there is, I mean, just think about it. What, um, there's an environmental impact to just throwing it out into a scrap heap somewhere, right? There's always, that's not really great. No, it's Uh, not a good idea. So it sucks. mm So it kind of comes back to like, the responsibility of owning the CRT. If you're going to take on that responsibility of having it, you got to be kind of prepared to get rid of it. Uh, But yeah. And then you end up with a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm I'm a hard comparison because I've got a hundred CRTs good or bad here somewhere all over the place. Just some, but also you are keeping, you, you said you're keeping
0: only the stuff from professional monitors, which makes sense. So, I mean to stay on to stay on consumer for yeah. A moment. I've got
1: I've got like seven good consumer sets that okay. I keep. Sure, that I like because if uh, when you were, when you were talking about breaking
0: it down and then keeping, and I totally understand. If I had a, a PVM with a bad tube, there's no way I'm chucking. Look, maybe I would dismantle it and chuck the tube, but there's no way I'm throwing out the rest of those boards, even if Louis Zezran doesn't know what to do with them. But um, so that that makes sense. On the consumer side, I mean, I've got a, what's that, a 13, I forget, whatever, the 13-inch little Sony. I really like it, but I, I checked out the error code, and it blinks, and I was just like, the, whatever that error code is, I have to verify it again. But it's like, it's done. And that, and I think it's the, the tube that's done, but in reality, the electronics inside of that, there's probably not much that I could do with that, unless... I was getting a lot of that monitor um, locally in my region. So if that monitor came up often, then maybe I could swap some parts for that. Um, but I think also then you, you come across the issue that there's like we've talked about before, there's so many variations in consumer TVs and definitely via region and country, we see this all i see it all the time here in europe this is the italian model the uk model the german model and we're not even sure what's different but apparently something's different and I, I guess unless you have a real great use case it's really hard to know out of that consumer tv if it's just i'm just chucking out a random tv well doesn't seem like much i can do with it
1: yeah and again it's like do you um what do you have already stored up do you want to keep that and maybe try to find another one? But if the tube's bad already in the consumer set and it's like it's dirty, then yeah, it's like pff, you might as well just try to find the best way to dispose of it if you can. Because we're always going to run up to a point, And that's kind of where I feel like even now you can tell we're not completely out of consumer sets. So you could still go and find consumer sets. I get asked a lot about if you're looking for like a big a big good consumer television you can still pretty much find them locally yeah online if you're Mm -hmm. looking for something big so it's not we're not even at the point where it's worth putting much effort into servicing them and doing a lot with them uh but just you know you that's where you're going to be doing all your work on uh is it something that i want to either if it's something i want to keep you got to try to do as much homework ahead of time and, yeah. you know, test it uh, if you're allowed to and not just take something that somebody I think that's probably where some people get into a mistake is they just see something available for free or cheap and they go get it. And it was just yeah. worn out. Some cat peed in it a couple times yeah. and people were smoking cigarettes into it. And so you're stuck with something that's filthy, doesn't really work right. And uh, the big thing you want to try to avoid is try to get some, something that all the colors work, obviously red, green, and blue, and try to make sure you're limiting any kind of jitters on the screen ahead of time before you even get it. If it shows that and you're not willing to take it apart, don't just leave the place and wait for the next one.
0: Yeah, it's fair enough I have the 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 example that I keep bringing up is this small whatever it is 13 14 15 whatever they are the is a Trinitron it's really nice yeah. uh, I like that uh physically the shape of it but um and it wasn't an, like it's was an adventure because the flip side of what you just said is look and I I agree with your logic your logic is sound absolutely I I It is hard sometimes to resist the allure of the CRT adventure. We've got a listing that's come up locally. You're like, oh, I want to go. And oh, I want to see. And where I live as well, it's usually some old Russian lady. And she's had the the last, that one I'm thinking (laughs) of, it was in a kitchen. I think it must have been playing The Price is Right or The Ruble is Right or whatever the fuck they (laughs) listened to over there. And she had, I think she just had it on like eight hour or whatever the whole day since whenever you know since god since Stalin you know passed away she's had this TV on (laughs) since then watching everything and there's just not uh, I couldn't resist it but my my point is that I like I wanted it so much like I really like that shape I really wanted that small Trinitron they're kind of hard to find in my region so I said fuck it I'll go get it anyway lo and behold not good but after this conversation i actually think that is a tv that i might pull apart and i may actually chuck the tube but keep the other components because that's actually i would if i found another model of that i would grab it straight away because it's a it's a consumer set that i really want so there i can see the value to myself to actually taking the time pulling it apart leaving the circuit boards and just uh, you know a pile of circuit boards okay not as much room as a television uh, where I do have a couple of other sets but that I would think like, uh, I'm if I see another one of these, I'm not really that interested in picking it up either. So everyone has to sort of make their own choice.
1: Well, and I think that you can, for example, take the one you're talking about and you can make the decision if it's the one that, uh, uh, sorry, Brutus is over here. Just oh. scratch himself. <laughs> uh, he, uh, anyway if you take if you take the one tv that you've got that's um you can decide that to be your project television if you're like hey this because it's a good size Mm -hmm. at 13 inches and it already looks crappy like what happens if i do go in and recap the boards or go in and clean them reflow all the solder and like Mm -hmm. you said you get all those boards wonderfully done and it still looks like crap you could tell it's the tube then um there's a a good chance, like you say, you've had everything else working good on this TV. You just keep an eye out for the same size, Trinitron, and then you do a tube swap, and then you've got a great example of one. Plus, you've gotten some experience, so there is, mm. there's that experience, you know, value there, uh, if you want it. And I think that those types of TVs are worth it. the The third T because they're, like you said, harder to get. It's when you start getting into the huge ones because <laughs> they take up so much space it's hard again i mean if you're talking a 36 inch tube weighs 140 pounds um it's not easy to move around get rid of get in and mm-hmm. out of a house so uh i i there's more value in the smaller stuff uh, especially just as the nostalgic way it looks too sure and, all right
0: that's good man um yeah. What are we gonna do? So let's uh what do we have? We have about forty-five minutes and I think that's kind of summed it up for me. Yeah, I gotta I mean, yeah. I just gotta get into my
1: storage room and actually clean some shit out, really. That's yeah. probably the
0: biggest problem here, my laziness.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I mean, it's hard to move stuff around. I've been moving a bunch of things in and out, twenty inch monitors from upstairs to downstairs in the basement back mm-hmm. and forth, and it's it's like a chore. So it's not it doesn't it doesn't make it fun when you're moving just through storage through CRTs, mm.
0: but this is something that uh, you and I uh, will hopefully be looking at further in the next week. Is this really interesting video that you sent me today called the open source yeah. CRT? And yeah. it appears to be uh, a gentleman. He's he's on the west coast. Uh, his name's Thomas. And he's using a tube and the is it the flyback? No, the neckboard. He's only using the tube and the neckboard. And he has constructed his own device which interfaces to the tube and to the neckboard and will drive that CRT. And it it looks amazing. And I'm very yeah. keen to learn more about it and understand more about it. And uh, I talked to to Thomas today briefly on Twitter, and he said he'd love to come on and uh, our next episode and chat with us about it. And so I'm very keen for that conversation. But what are your thoughts about this device, Steve? It,
1: this, yeah, this is something that I saw circulating um, on social media uh, at Facebook, and it was an open. It says open source CRT TV. <sighs> and I'm like, what does this even mean? So I've watched the clip, and it's a guy who's got. I think it's the JVC nine inch or 10 inch tube and then it's all plexiglass around it Mm. and he's got a couple boards off to the side that are all covered in plexiglass i said what's going on and it says he brought it to a show out west for maybe a convention in 2021 the video says it's three months old and it's just watching it and from what i gather there's um there and this is this is would make sense there's three major parts to a crt that are never going to be able to really be replaceable more than likely uh the the tube Mm -hmm. and then the flyback transformer which has the anode cap and the high voltage thing everybody's scared of that we had talked about that goes in the back of the top of the tube that's always there and then finally you've got to have a way to interface with the tube and send the signals in so that's where the neck board is uh, left on there from the original tube, but he says that the programming and the other hardware, uh, mimics the power supply and the deflection, uh, blocks, and then your input controls. So you think about it, you know, you're getting rid of all the other boards. You're just keeping those three Mm. major parts. And I'm sure that if you wanted to, you could get rid of the neck board and just use the CRT socket, which is the part that connects the board to the tube. And that's I'm just sure that's the way that it's interfacing, sending in signals into the electron gun. Mm. And so I'm extremely excited. I mean, that sounds pretty crazy to me. Uh, there's so many things that you could have wrong with the deflection block that if this could really solve um, the the idea behind the video was showing some testing and the way that he was manipulating the power supply with potentiometers mm. to get uh the horizontal deflection to change was interesting. You know, Mm -hmm. he would spin the voltage and lower it on the horizontal lines of the uh, power and it would cause the horizontal to phase to shape, you know, go in and out, but it wouldn't work the same for vertical. It would just show vertical fold over, which just Mm -hmm. looks like something you need to repair on. So he's having to use, um, I think firmware to do all the other settings and he's saying you know i started thinking about what are the possibilities if that were something that took off and it was open source and the firmware settings and eventually would firmware be used to sit there and instead you know you could tweak your g your geometry color and every other setting in your crt from software Mm -hmm. instead of uh you know kind of like an expanded osd or op- uh, service menu on the crts that maybe never had one he said it could hook up to any crt tube so of course that's exciting right that's the big claim
0: and again i don't mean to cast any down on him you know that's the big news here as well i mean it's a an amazing achievement to be able to do even if it was specific for one monitor that would still be a great project and an amazing very cool achievement but that's the thing he said He said it should work on any uh, tube and neck board. And I'm very interested to learn more about how specific, I mean, sure it can, but what's the difference? Uh, Is it like with the RGB mod, the similar idea that the ideas are similar, but you're gonna have to hunt around for the particular points and connections on that board and then attenuate it. But even when we spoke about um we spoke about the RGB mod and we said that, well, you know, you gotta find the right points. You still have to work out the attenuation that you're delivering to those points, and it can be done, but it's not quite drop in. But if you told me I had to do that work and I had to do all of that, but then I got this whole replacement thing, I would definitely be more inclined to wanna put that effort in if it meant that I got this amazing unit rather than just a Kinda janky old RGB mod. So, what are your feelings about how, or just, I mean, wild guesses? Well,
1: is it generic or what do you think? I, I, um, so here's the way it's working. I think that uh, first off, yeah, it it brings up some different obstacles. Obviously, right now, because you there was a lot of hardware in the video that was, I'm guessing, the hardware that's the boards that's the replacement for a lot of these. So I'm sure outsource or sourcing those parts right now would be extremely difficult and could take months in its own just to get it boards and you know, all the components together. But if you're thinking about just, for example, the 2530 I'm working on, you need the neck board so you can kind of uh, get what the signals are going into it normally f- from the design board. So you mimic that. Um, But think about how much better that would be if that was actual viable option as opposed to me going in and rebuilding all the original boards. If you were just really wanting to use it, you could maybe get that. But not only that, you could have a better experience because this some of these older CRTs like that one is all manual for adjustment with potentiometers and screws and. So if you could do that through firmware, through something uh, like, I don't know, if it's a, based around an FPGA at that point to work out to just the screen geometry, it's possible. Um, I think that would be more exciting where you'd have better screen f- features and functions uh, available down the road, uh, mm. of course, if it took off. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so crazy. I had no idea this was on anybody's radar or anything uh, even capable it should I'm be, really well, we're the, it.
0: where we're the Cathode Raid podcast. We are exactly yeah, the people it. Who should this be So through.
1: I'm excited to talk about it because, again, it does bring back, if it's a good viable option, yeah. then um, does it automatically turn every, if you go find a decent tube oh. from a CRT that doesn't have the best inputs in it, right? Sure. It's got just, like I say, you go find one of these great, beautiful, Uh, JVC or Trinitron tubes from the 1990s and the TV is crap or the inputs don't work too great and all it is is an RF and composite uh, in. What if you can just take the important parts from that and use this open source build out and all of a sudden you have every input you want. It's like an automatic is it an automatic RGB card that you could put together and attach to this same tube right? So you would Mm -hmm. have a You'd actually have a better, you know, you'd have an RGB modded or do whatever you want. I don't know. I mean, it seems like you could have any input in there in your input card and have that kind of new age for a uh, CRT. It seems it seems great. And I guess
0: also to to point out to everybody listening, like, first of all, a lot of what we've just said is our speculation and our yeah. <laughs> hopes for the future and our projections. Uh, I'll put a link to the video in there. I want to point out that Thomas himself is not overselling this. He if all things, he seems like too humble. We're like, why the fuck haven't we heard about this thing before? Why are you yelling, jumping up and down about it? <laughs> uh, so I want to just point out that he is not overselling it. He is not making it out to be all of these things. It's, uh, I think in this moment, us wondering about all the possibilities that it could be and like all open source projects uh, we've got to be realistic with the developers even though we all want all the features and everything right now um, about what can be achieved so yeah we just
1: wanted to I'm looking forward to having yeah, a
0: conversation I, with Thomas and just picking his brain and he sounds like, like a clever guy sounds like a nice guy yeah. it's
1: going to be talking to him and seeing really what's going on because yeah like you say we're just speculating and kind of throwing ideas at whatever uh, work he's already accomplished to this point just from the video alone though It's impressive to see um, what he's got so far. Even if, like, even if it is that it's he's done a a, a fair bit
0: of work to customize it for this one tube, it's still really fucking impressive. Even if it's, even if just that, that's still something to to talk about and be amazed about. Exactly. Hmm. All right. So why don't we uh, try to get through a couple questions near the end here. So um, so we're trying to get better at answering questions. We're trying to not dwell on questions forever, but still uh, get you the stuff that you need. And we also appreciate that. Uh, look, I understand you guys are working on CRTs at home. You're doing your best. And it's really hard to ask the the right question, to give the detail. There's only so much you can describe without getting into a monitor. And Steve and I, I think we both share the frustration that we wish we could help more. We wish we were there to to look at it um, cause there's just some things that are just really hard to diagnose, uh, over a, you know, a paragraph or a paragraph two of text. Exactly. All right, let's go. This was from your Patreon, Steve. Do milliamps matter when making a cap kit?
1: Oh, well, you know, that's kind of like, it depends on the device. Of course, it's like, it depends on the spec. That's why it's always good to have service manuals and see what they recommend for things. Um, but what are warm- the things,
0: so is voltage, I know, and then there's yeah. microfarads, which is the capacitance. Yeah. What does a milliamp play in it? What's I the mean, amperage play? Yeah,
1: I don't, you're, you are, you're, you're concerned about your amps and how um, you know, your ohms flow through your whatever line uh, that you're, you're trying to fix that you're using the capacitor on. But as far as, like, I've never had that spec that I can think of in a cap kit. The only time, like, you might have... Um, the things you're going to be more concerned with on your cap kits is again, let's just go back to that is you're going to need the, obviously the proper voltage. And, and a lot of times it's safe to go a higher voltage. Mm. Not always is it safe, you know, it's not safe to go lower than what is spec'd. you have to, you can go higher and really get away with it. No problem. And then, um, you need to match 90% of the time you need to match the microfarads. There are mm. some rare cases where you can change that a little bit. And get fine performance. I've seen plenty of people work on arcade machines and swap out a similarly close microfarad. I'm talking like, you know, something that you have a 2.2 and you might have a 3.3 or something microfarad. It's just a little bit off. Right. Um, I've seen that happen and I've seen different results where it doesn't like blow up the device. So you get those two right. And then the next most important two are going to be the size, the physical size of the capacitor. You want to make sure it fits without causing trouble to any other component on the board. And then finally, uh, if you want to go even more, worry about something more than milliamps, I'd worry about ripple current. And uh, the ripple current thing, you're going to have a higher, more vigorous ripple current the, more, uh, the higher quality and the higher length of life you have on your capacitor. So you're re- replacing a capacitor that was an 85-degree c capacitor that was designed for 1000 hours right let's say that and then you're wanting to like get this really great capacitor that is 105 C and like 10,000 hours of life Hmm. and it does that but if you look at the ripple current it could have it will have a huge ripple current and so maybe uh, the ripple current is uh, what he was referring to in the question because that would make more sense Mm. But if you that's that's where you can get into trouble because then your current, you know, you're having a ripple current where you just have a noisier electricity, less regulated and and conformed and cleaner electricity. It's a little bit more higher ripple uh, running through the system and it can have a little bit different results. So that's why I don't say just go and get the most insanely high end capacitor that with the biggest bump because. It, it sometimes is too much, and it can have a result that you don't want on the screen. Sure.
0: Okay, so that question was from Jake Hughes on, yeah. on Steve's Patreon. We appreciate Thanks, that. Jake. Okay, moving along. Here's a quick one for you. Neapolitan 64, are Trinitron uh, VGA monitors better than other brands? I've heard mixed answers,
1: he says. I'd say, yeah, bro. Yeah, they are. Like, <laughs> what like are you, the VGA they? monitors? Yeah, I mean, most of yeah. the time. Most of the but time, I- and that's... And that Well, there's the uh, so like the funny thing is, is they're all going to be saying Tron. So don't get don't just think it's like a Sony <laughs> only thing, because in 98 yeah. um, in 1998, the patent ran out for the Trinitron. So at that point, every other company could come in and just make their own copy. Diamond of the Trinitron from Diamond Yeah, you, you had Mitsubishi uh, Dell. They all made these Trons that mm. are Samsung. Samsung has a great one uh they're all just like and i don't know i hope i I was going to show you i mean they're all just like my sony gdm over here where they're really high quality and you can tell by looking them up on ebay they're all going to have the flat screens just like the gdms uh and they are going to most of the time say some kind of tron in the name and they'll generally sell for 500 dollars or more Mm. and uh so it doesn't have to be Sony's name, but it's going to be some kind of Tron. There are plenty of other good Trons, but yeah, it would have been okay. So that's good for them.
0: It's a good way to sum it up. That I mean, I gave the simplistic answer. Yeah, yeah, bro, it's a Sony. It's great. <laughs> now, not to say that I mean, all I think all VGA monitors are very good, and you're going to have a good time playing on on almost any uh, in condi- in good condition v- VGA. But the point that you made is, there's actually a different technology. Uh, inside of driving those Trinitrons. Why are they better? Because Sony had a completely different technology to the way yep. that it, and we, we went through this in a previous episode, the history of Trinitron. And then after a while, when that patent uh, expired, other companies were able to use that technique. Could they produce the same thing, exactly the same quality of Sony? Hard to say, but eventually everyone else got onto that same technology. So. Yes, look, I'm. I, I I think it comes down. Look, I'll, I'll take that FW nine hundred off your hands. Don't worry about it. <laughs> if, if it's no good for you. Yeah. Okay. Next one, we have uh, Mr. Silent Vid. Uh, he talks about he's got a sixteen by nine Sony PVM, and it's twenty S one WE, which I think is a little bit of an older one.
1: Yes, um, that's the widescreen, the uh, the single widescreen PVM twenty inch. Oh, it's so it's the only widescreen pvm there isn't any more not that oh, uh okay. no 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 not any others that i'm aware of that it's oh. just this one freaky one the 20 it's like 20 sw1u or something like that or hmm. is that the model number 20s1we
0: like
1: okay yeah okay so it's a european one i think oh but yeah yes. so it's it's just a, and it's made generally around the same time as the m series i want to say it's like late 90s uh, they were made and it's just a one. so what was his um, so he has a he said he has a s- slight black
0: smearing on the image mostly when you use a component but have noticed that in RGB as well uh, seems to also happen in high contrast areas to the right of the screen any anything jump to mind about what this might be
1: No that's just kind of a breakdown of uh, the monitor on something. you've either got probably a video board breakdown input board i mean it's it's that could be a lot of different things on there hopefully it's not the tube itself just kind of wearing out because that can be if you start seeing shadows on a tube that could be a sign that it's starting to wear down but um other than that i would try to go in and if you're really concerned about it diagnose those other things also make sure that your signals that test test multiple consoles and make sure it's not just coming from one console that is actually causing the problem. Like That's if a- it's your Super Nintendo and you're chaining different input cables and inputs with it, it could still be the ca- you know If it's doing it with a bunch of different consoles, then start looking at the monitor. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, I don't want to... Actually, that leads us
0: on to another question, uh, which was from uh, Tyler Hayblom. And Tyler seems to have an issue with component coming out of the Mister. And he's got a mister, he's using component out. uh, I presume then with a IO board, I'm gonna presume IO board and not direct video based off what he said. Gets a nice signal, but I see screen stretching uh, sometimes. And, uh, And he's tried adjusting the CRT and he's not getting the signal that he wants out of component. And I would I would say based off what I've worked on and component coming from Mister is that the Mister component is still not like alpha or still not like a hundred percent. It's still a little bit beta. And if you look in the documentation, it still says look out. We know that this is not quite the the component output of a Mister is not. Um, at the same level as the RGB out. I mean, in terms of development, it's still a little bit beta is what I'm trying to say. So the first thing I would be testing, I wouldn't be using a Mister as your component testing machine. I'd be getting PS2, I'd be getting anything that outputs a nice component to, to diagnose from there. What are some of your thoughts, Steve?
1: Yeah, again, when you're mixing uh devices like this, it's always hard to tell because you have an uh, a cutting edge piece of technology we've gone into plenty on last episode about the mister stuff. It could be uh anything of that. You could have, you know, your scripts not updated correctly or something. I I mean, there's all kinds of people that have documented where something didn't exactly work perfectly. Even when they followed all the instructions for the mister off the GitHub, they had to do it this way to get it to work. I don't feel like any of that is all that needs to be kind of expected to go in. And again, you don't want to first things first go and uh, blame the display. If there's nothing wrong with the display, you need to make sure, like you said, test it with something that, you know, works perfectly and know what it should look like in the display And then get, if it doesn't look right, then even add a third thing to test in there because I feel like, yeah, it's probably something going on with the mister setup, but who knows without testing it further.
0: Yeah, and on that same note, as you said, you've got to test with something that's solid and that's established that you know that works. Having said that about Mr. Component, Mr. RGB is my testing tool. Like, you tell me all the time, oh, I've hooked up a Super Nintendo, I've hooked up a Genesis to this, and I'm like, bro, crack out the Mr. You know, it's it's yeah. 100%. I know you want to do it, because it's, oh, a, yeah. Yeah, it's well, nice you to gotta, do it on a real yeah. thing, too. you got to
1: try it. You know most sure. of them.
0: Because when it's RGB, that is my go-to for testing. I know that, and, and if I need composite, my go-to composite is the Antonio Villena adapter out of Mister. I know that uh, there's different issues around converting the RGB to composite out of that, that Antonio can't get around, that no one can get around. But um, it's my it's my go-to for a solid if I, I need something to work. So uh, I think it's, yeah, look out for, watch out for component on Mister. Okay, and last, we're doing very good at getting through questions. You're doing well. Yeah, Steve. let's do it. Let's. We're
1: we'll doing going good.
0: We have one more. Uh, Scotter one four zero. He had uh, he had a question about breaking down CRTs, which we have basically okay. already answered uh, in this episode. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way to just swap boards and uh, and change those? And there, there is to somewhat level at a professional uh, le- uh, at a professional monitor level. Yes. There is a, maybe even a secondary market for just the boards because they're well-known. But um, oh, I yes. don't think that that's ever really going to be a thing with consumer TVs. Again, because like you say, who's worrying so much about these consumer TVs to create a market and to so many possible variations that it can be very difficult to to keep an accurate inventory of what's going to work in each individual machine.
1: Yeah. And I think that the biggest hope would be for that. um, You know, if there's something you really, really like a TV, you really, really like the the best hope would be that open source project Mm -hmm. where you could turn it into the monitor that you want while maintaining the same screen that you like have your dream set around. I get people that ask a lot about what can they do to really old televisions to make them more modern. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Solid state televisions that are not built around the same technology. It's still, I mean, it's still based around a flyback, but those boards are crazy uh, where they have voltage running all over. It's not isolated. And so they're more dangerous. There's a lot more uh, going on in the tuners, and there's no composite video or better out of them. But if this was an option where you could just take those important parts from an old school wood grain television and then just turn it into an awesome monitor with uh, every input through a VGA input or something then you, you know that would be that would be pretty cool so i think that would be the hopes the hopes along the lines of something like that or rebuilding it and figuring out something yourself but yeah um that would probably be the biggest uh for that i did have one little quick thing oh, yep. to go Let's through go. Mm-hmm. uh it was just a question about an adapter and the way to get the best way to get S-Video into a uh, commercial device where they split Luma and Chroma from the mm. S-Video. So we all know in United States and North America that we had S-Video. So there's a lot of devices that run on S-Video. And then early on in the Commodore monitors, there was a split where it would have S-Video, but it would say like Commodore Video. And it would have chroma and luma on it. And that's all mm-hmm. S-Video is, is chroma, luma, and ground. And the sync signal is sent over luma. Mm. So there are still some stuff. Console 5 sells a cable that goes from S-Video. And then it has two RCA prongs yeah. out the end Keep of talking. It.
0: I think I have one. Just keep talking and all. And,
1: yeah. And then there's other options. I have some homemade adapters like this that I'll show on the screen where it's actually nicer. It's got a nice printed circuit board. And then one side is oh, your luma, okay. one side's your chroma. You just stick your S-video signal in there, your cable in there, and it breaks it down like this. And you can put a BNC cable on each one, oh, yeah. because the cards on a commercial gear is ninety percent of the time going to be in BNC. Mm-hmm. And um, but these, again, this was something that was custom made by somebody that I found like at a salvage auction, and I found like five of them, so I just bought them all for ten bucks but that's a cool the pick cable up. here. i have from, um,
0: here i have yeah so the there's cable. A cable right
1: so this is just from
0: uh, i think it's express so, okay, so that's standard s different video one. right uh, st- standard s video and then it breaks it out to the yeah. two bnc's on the end now is this a shield, a shielded cable no is this something that i would probably want to use I'd be wary about using this in my setup, but, you know, for for your testing and so forth, well, it works Well, it would a be pinch.
1: good for testing, but if you just look at it, if you, like, hold that cable up, if you look at it, it is something that you could design or make your own of. Mm. Even, like, you know, where if you cut that apart and had, like, a 3D printer, you know, and you made it and you, made your, you used better sourced mm. BNC cables that you salvaged, or even if you just you know you made something like this, I think that it, it's still something you can make because there's no actual signal conversion going on. Hmm. But yeah, that version and then the console five version are going to be your cheapest, easiest options just to get the job done. But it's not shielded, and uh, I think that's why they're only like six inches long. Yeah, it's so probably it that's as well. That's better that it's shorter. So I haven't seen that's a that. One many, it's a good question. I haven't
0: seen that many devices that break out. I have seen, I think one of my Extron converters does that. It's pretty typical for those guys to do it because even that uh, BVM9044D that I presented last week, it has a proper S-video plug on Yeah, it.
1: and all the PVMs will have a proper S-video plug. It's literally just a couple of the BKM SVD or BKM cards for BVMs mostly uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh and then yeah it's like that's pretty much where you're going to run into it and then maybe some other specialty monitors that you'll run into it you'll run into it in security monitors sometimes they'll run off that mm-hmm. uh so it's not it's not very common that you run into it but it's definitely BVM stuff sure well not except for yours Well, this one, yeah, just AliExpress. There's another another 14-inch BVM, I believe, that uses S-Video, but the good majority of the bigger ones will use that YC separator. I'd
0: imagine so, yeah. I I think because it's small. Anyway, who knows why they they Uh, made that choice there.
1: I think it was just to keep the signals further apart, you know, claim it was better quality, (laughs) you know, shielding each line, but... Yep, that's uh that's it. I don't know um I had uh I got something that I bought off Oh yeah, tell us Black Friday Please for show. uh Amazon mm-hmm. that I'm going to see if it's worth the crap or not. It's 55 US dollars shipped. I think it was like $20 off, but it's a chargeable handheld uh ESD duster. So oh. like I hold this button down, it's got a nice actuator switch there. You can hear clicky. But you hold it down, then the engine pumps up and blows air out of this, clean with it. And this is all plastic and shield, you know, ESD proof. So you get in there and it's supposed to be for stuff, get in there and blow air. And it rotates like a toothbrush? Well, no, no, it doesn't rotate. It's just got a brush end on it. So this was kind of a cheaper one. I thought I'd try it as opposed to um, because I come into the situation now where, you want to get down there and clean without busting out an entire, like I have a commercial grade air compressor, but that's a pain to go up there and use in the garage. Um, I thought this would be handier. Plus if you look at the price of those cans of cleaner, that is like mm. air oh. cleaner, you're going to, this will be the price of like 10 of those cans mm-hmm. and hopefully it will last longer. So I might do a review on that little thing. Um, uh, And show how it cleans off circuit boards and if it lasts a long time or if it's just garbage. Yeah, I'd love to know about that. Those cans of
0: compressed air, I always feel weird whenever I've had to buy them. I hate those things. You're buying air. Just air in a can. I feel like I'm in that scene in Spaceballs with Mel Brooks and he gets (laughs) the
1: can of air. You just want to... And it's it, it never lasts that long, and you just yeah. want to, like uh, – it just feels like environmentally crap. It's, like, such a ripoff. So um, hopefully that will be a good solution because the only other idea I had was to actually physically drill a hole and install, like, a hard line for an air hookup, like, in my floor, yeah, under okay. the floor, so I could <laughs> run the air compressor outside like a shop and have pretty air, air tools inside. But that would cost about a hundred dollars, I think, to safely do, and uh, so this would be the easier thing. And then mm-hmm. also, but again, a lot of people uh, that ha- are safe concerned about space. Uh, mm-hmm. This will be a better option. Plus, you don't have to hopefully worry about those. Again, buying uh, stock in those cans of. Air. When you
0: spray the cam, because the it's been under pressure, it comes out very cold and always forms and
1: to me that doesn't Folds seem like right. like a crystallized yeah. layer. Yeah, that also makes me nervous spraying that because again, we were talking about random temperature changes so it's mm. not good to temperature change especially like if you pull out a hot circuit board uh, that you've just been working on or just been testing and it's like 100 degrees and you've blasted with that cold uh, Arctic blast, it could just like kill the solder right then uh the, the final little random thing is i got this yeah. still, so i got this a couple of years back from a U, or a, last year from a goodwill okay. uh for three dollars pikachu the box hey you...
0: oh just the box is it no, the hey you no, pikachu no, actually... no is
1: it the mic yeah no so it came with the game perfect condition the box is okay all the documented paperwork and i was just laughing because i bought it, it was four dollars right sure and they don't know how to price it but yeah, I went to a retro gaming store and I was like if I ever see it I'm going to just buy it and they had mm. just the uh like the little microphone oh, yeah. attachment. And so now um I was I don't know, whenever I, I don't even collect this stuff normally like that, but I would you know, you get it and then you're like I want it to be complete. So now I'm looking for a little like this kind of thing for the microphone that's oh, yellow, oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. it had that, and then there's a little piece of plastic that attaches it to an N64 controller, and uh, so I just. Well, like those to have things, like things are like
0: extremely common in Japan.
1: Oh, like really? When uh,
0: the 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 hard off secondhand stores that you, you yeah. can tour around, these franchise of them, every one of them has multiple of those in the junk bin. Now the little uh, foam thing, well, that's something that can fall off and is not as easy, but it's I'll, usually I'll it looks add that
1: like rubbish yeah it's been rubbish it.
0: and some th- three-year-old stuck it up his nose and snot <laughs> yes. snot on it i mean i don't want to take anything like that from the junk bin no uh anything that i'm gonna have to put my mouth i think it'd near. be better
1: for like a reproduction if you could just find a repro Maybe. yellow thing like this for a tiny mic that people have on their cheek or something but i'll keep like it in mind there. next yeah, time whenever little, i'll get a little dongle or uh you know I actually got a um I ordered for my son he's not here so he's at school I ordered him a 3D printer for Christmas oh cool so it's the Ender 3 version 2 so it's pretty decent printer so I'll be able to 3D print stuff like that Yeah I was going to say is more it for him that. Steve or is it yeah, for right? you Yeah right He's <laughs> like oh yeah 3D printer I'm like yeah, good good gift to ask for So but yeah that's pretty much well, it I don't 30. know did you get anything cool this week or
0: no i haven't had any pickups unfortunately i no, that's uh, okay
1: you know some weeks
0: i have this urge that i'm always on the classifieds and i'm always looking at something and i'm always i don't know finding something but for the last week no i don't know hasn't hasn't been a thing
1: but uh I think it's hit or fun. miss like you said i don't know that um normally i don't have anything either that's uh that exciting but uh, that's uh no, no CRTs for either one of us this week, I don't think. Just It's just probably good that CO2. we're not
0: picking. I mean, that would be 52 well, yeah. CRTs a year. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I,
1: got, I was going to say, I did get the board for the CRT, so I got another CRT something. working, but yeah.
0: Well, why don't we wrap it up there? It's been a, an hour and a quarter already. Steve, very nice talking to you. Stay on the line. We'll end the... I'll end this one and then we'll keep on going. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone for watching. Please keep asking your questions, put them in any video, YouTube shows me. I don't know, there's not so many people flooding the questions yet, so just write them almost wherever on whichever video you're watching this under and uh, we will get to them. We're a little bit out of sync because we release on a Monday and then we record on a Tuesday. So sometimes we'll have to get into a better schedule. But anyway, you guys get the idea. We have not forgotten about your questions. Please write them down, we appreciate your input. Steve, thank you very much for another episode.
1: Yeah, thanks, Lewis. Have a great week. See you all next time.